Welcome to the Ready Eddy Podcast, where we tell the story of startups in the outdoor sport industry through the voice of their founders. Hey guys, before we get into today's episode, I wanted to talk about our membership program. Uh, we recently broke a pretty big milestone. We have over 100 startups and small businesses on the platform offering up to 50% off all their product and gear. If you're like me and you're always looking for a new uh, backpack or new gear for your addictions, whether it's skiing, snowboarding, camping, surfing, whatever it is related to the outdoors, you can hop onto this membership and peruse all of the brands. We're constantly adding new ones um, to really support all of your outdoor activities. We also have a number of travel companies. So if you're looking to take a trip, whether it's to Machu Picchu, South America, wherever, um, you can save on that as well. We also have a number of food brands, whether you need a new energy bar or you just need to, you want to find something uh, that's different and check it out. You can f- save while doing it. Um, you can also apply to become an ambassador for a lot of these brands. There's a ton of perks. So if you are interested in checking this out, head over to readyeddy.com slash members and get your first month free. This episode is brought to you by AIM Adventure U. Upgrade any adventure and learn online, whether it's climbing, skiing, photography, or backpacking. Learn more at aimadventureu.com and use the code readyeddy20 to get 20% off any course. What is going on, Ready Eddie Podcast listeners? Josh Salvo here, your host. On today's episode, I am sitting down with the editor of Climbing Magazine, Matt Samet. Matt, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with me. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me on, Josh. All right. So this this interview is a little um, different than the normal um, episode that we do. Typically, obviously, we're sitting down with the founders of small startups in the outdoor space, but periodically we like to uh, sit down with influencers uh, in the industry. And obviously, Climbing Magazine is a pretty big influencer in the outdoor space, specifically in climbing. Um, so I- I'd love to start off, Matt, with really uh, for the listener to get to know you and your background and how what really led you to becoming the editor of Climbing Magazine. Um, sure. I've been climbing um, since age 12, I think. Even before that, I used to do a little bouldering. Um, so I've been climbing for 30 plus years now. Really got into it in my mid-teens um, and I've just always been a really, you know, I guess fanatical climber. Like I, I need to go like three or four days a week or I get super unhappy, mostly rock climbing, but I like being up in the mountains too. Um, I came to Boulder, Colorado to go to college in 1991, uh, a lot of my cr- criteria for the, at that point for going to college was other good rocks nearby, and Boulder's got thousands of routes within you know 10, 20 minute drive. Um, so I, I got into that, got a degree in journalism, and then when I graduated, I actually was moving to Europe um, for a while, and I just I knew some of the folks who worked at Climbing Magazine then. It was based in Carbondale. Um, the magazine was really big then. It was like 150, 160 pages. So they had a lot of need for content. And I called them and, and I knew them from the climbing scene out at Rifle, Colorado on the Western Slope. And I called Mike Benj and who was then the editor and said, hey, do you need any 
any reporting from Europe. And he said, oh, yeah, actually, we do. We need competition reporting. So when I was living in Italy, you know, I was um, just sending them kind of news news stuff back on the competition scene, on some of the hard hard routes the Europeans were doing and things like that. Um, basically got my foot in the door that way with short news pieces. And then from there, started building to essays, columns, and then, and then features. Um, in 2002, there was sort of a big change of the staff at, uh, at climbing about half the staff left. And so uh, a desk editor job, uh, came, became available. So I started as a desk editor, then went from contributing editor to a desk editor. And I've worked at climbing kind of on and off since then. Um, this, this time I've been at climbing now for two years as the editor. That's interesting. Okay. So you're, you're, where are you originally from? I'm from Albuquerque, New Mexico. Albuquerque, New Mexico. And then over time, you made the move to Boulder because it obviously has a great scene for climbing. Um, and did you know you always wanted to get into writing and editing of some kind growing up? Like, obviously, you went to school for it. But is it just something you've always had an interest in? You know, to be honest, I think it was my father who pushed me in that direction. And, and wisely so. I I was a little directionless when I started college. I knew I just wanted to climb rocks. And I started out as a geology major. And quickly, I saw the science the science prerequisites. And I quickly bailed after, like, you know, I think barely getting through. We like geology 101. I'm just not, I'm not very science-minded. Um, so I, I think I sort of defaulted to journalism because my dad was like, well, you like climbing. Maybe you could write about climbing someday. I was like, yeah, okay, why not? You know, it was just sort of like, well, why not? sort of thing. So there wasn't some sort of grand lifelong uh, plan, unfortunately. I just sort of st- st- bumbled into it. I feel like it happens like that more often than not. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. You just sort of end up where you end up, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, there's so many things where, like, whenever someone asks someone who's been successful in whatever facet of their lives, they're like, okay, so what's the, you know, what was the catalyst for this? And a lot of times you're like, I don't know. It just sort of happens. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I don't know. I was just doing it. Then I just kept doing it. Exactly. Like there was no grand like plan. I wasn't like masterminding my my entire life. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So, obvious. Who got you into climbing? What was the first um, experience with it? You know, we used to. So we lived in Albuquerque, and there's mountains right above town, the Sandias, which are they're really pretty. They rise to like ten thousand five hundred feet right from town, which is at five thousand feet. So they're very dramatic, and I'd go hiking up there with my dad and mom. Um, and at the end of our hikes, there's all these granite boulders kind of around the trailheads. And I'd always ask them to stay another hour or so, so I could scramble around on my boulders, like on the, on the boulders, like in my tennis shoes. Um, and then sometimes I would ask my mom to drive me up there just so I could scramble around them. And at that point, I like, I didn't have a chalk bag. I didn't have rock shoes. You know, there weren't rock gyms at that point. This was like the early eighties. Uh, you know, none of us really, even the late seventies, like, you know, I, I don't know if there was anywhere at that point for a kid to go and, and, and be mentored or, or tutored and, and how to become a climber. I just knew I liked climbing up stuff. Um, and then when I was 12, my dad's college roommate, um, Bob, lives out in Olympia, Washington. My dad's like, you know, you really like climbing. Why don't you go out and spend a week with Bob? Uh, Bob's a, uh, a lifelong climber, uh, more of a mountaineer, but loves rock climbing, too. And so I went out with him when I was 12. And I think for the next three or four summers after that, I would go out every summer for a month and and spend a week or, or longer climbing with Bob, which was great. I mean, for me, it was it was heaven. You know, he drove me everywhere. I would stay at his house. He picked these great objectives. He, he taught me so much. You know, I was, I was really lucky to to have that experience. Yeah, it's um, 
I'm thinking about my own personal experience with uh, with skiing and climbing both. Like I had someone who was like for skiing, it was my brother and my dad mm-hmm. got me into it at a very young age. And it was like you were saying, like, I didn't have to think about it. It was just sort of like, okay, we're, he, they would be like, all right, we're doing this. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I'd get in the car and we'd go and ski wherever we were skiing. And, you know, they'd take me down the runs that they wanted to go down, <laughs> you know. And the same thing happened with climbing after I, I started climbing much later in life. But it was friends who were way more into it. And I did some outdoor climbing in St. George, Utah when I was living there. Oh, nice. And I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> this is incredible. <laughs> you know, like this is this is like nothing I've ever experienced in my life. Mm-hmm. And coming from skiing where um, you typically are skiing with people in your same ability level because you are skiing more challenging terrain or less difficult terrain, unlike with climbing, where you can go to a wall and you can be next to someone who's 10 times better than you and they're just climbing a different route. Um, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They can still be with you and sort of coaching you through it, which I just was such a cool and fun experience that really got me hooked, <laughs> you know, um, which I always found fascinating, specifically with climbing, where it's just a very, like, helpful kind of brotherly sport. Yeah, it is. I mean, everyone's out there trying their hardest, you know, so it doesn't, it's just like, it doesn't matter whether your hardest is easier or harder than the guy one, one root over is hardest. You know, the point is that everyone's trying. Yeah, I think that's a very good point. Yeah, no, exactly. Okay, so what about climbing did you fall in love with that made you really want to do it as much and make a career out of it? I really like the places you get to. I think that more than anything is one of the biggest draws. I mean, for me, even to this day, whatever, 30 plus years in, there's, you know, there's cliffs near here that have good routes, but some of them are like right by the road or they're crowded. And I'm just like, ah. I don't really want to go there. Like maybe there's routes there that I would like to do or that would challenge me, but I just, I don't really feel like being there. So I think a big part of it is just being in these really sort of peaceful, beautiful, exposed, serene places. Um, you know, I think the, another aspect that's really cool is the problem, problem solving. I mean, the engagement, the sort of mental and physical and intellectual engagement it takes to, to figure out a route that's hard for you, you know, because you can spend days refining your 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 beta your sequencing until you realize that you need to move your hip like a half a centimeter and suddenly you can do the route i mean that it's i think it's rare to find a sport that's that that technical um i like that it challenges you to deal with a lot of fear i mean i think that you know it's you know too much fear can be a bad thing but fear can also be a teacher and you know and there's a lot of fear in climbing that is just fear that's in your head that you have to learn to deal with as well like fear of falling or anticipatory anxiety about a hard route, you know, fear that isn't necessarily connected to being in any sort of peril. And I think learning to deal with that, it just teaches you a lot that you can apply in, in other, other areas of life. Um, I also like how it just keeps you in shape, you know, keeps your, your body strong in terms of a workout that keeps you fit. I can't, I can't think of a funner one. Yeah, I, I know exactly what you mean. I'm, I'm very similar where my happiness is directly related to how active I am. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and it's an interesting correlation because start like building a business in the outdoor space that's specifically online. You spend a lot of time in front of the computer. (laughs) Sort of sitting and sitting and sitting. Exactly. And then, you know, in the beginning specifically where it was, you know, working and I had another job and building this, you know, you don't really have that much time to do all the fun things that you enjoy doing. And Mm -hmm. that first time that I was just like, man, I am not... (laughs) I'm kind of miserable right now and getting outside, whether it was skiing or climbing both times, I was just like, wow, this is why this is so important to me. This just gives me so much happiness in all the things that I'm doing. 
remind you why you're doing this. Exactly. And it's not like working out in a gym where it's just sort of like, oh, I got to go do this. This sucks. You know what I mean? Like climbing is just like, oh, I'm so excited to do this specific route or whatever, it's, totally. whatever thing it is. You know, it's fun. It's an activity that's exciting. And you're getting in shape and staying in shape while you're doing it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, okay. So talking specifically about climbing magazine, what, what, what is it like um, being the editor for such an influential uh, magazine in, in the climbing world? Um, you know, I, I really enjoy being at climbing magazine. I've, um, kind of a long history of writing and editing with the magazine. I, I think for me, one of the coolest things is, you know, seeing how psych readers get when you present something new to them that they might not have seen before an area they haven't heard about or some technique or some a profile of someone, you know, I think, it's like you said, it's such um, uh, a sort of hands-on, tactile, engaging sport where you can literally rub elbows with your heroes that, you know, I think people, climbers of, of all, all stripes take a lot of inspiration from the title and always have. So I, I really enjoy that. Um, I really like working with the contributors, too, because you're getting stories from all over the world about aspects of the climbing lifestyle that, um, you know, you I wouldn't necessarily know about otherwise. And I just like like helping people bring their stories to fruition, you know, realize their idea from kind of inception all the way until they, they see it in print, you know, because I think it's, it's a fun, exciting process. I mean, just having been on the other side of the desk too, as a freelancer for this title and other titles, it's always really fun when you, when you see an article come together and then you finally see it in print. So I think, you know, those are the two things that, that I really enjoy. I really like the gear testing aspect of it too. I mean, it's, there's so much innovation within this sport because it's such a technical sport and there's been so much innovation, I think in the last 20, 30 years, um, you know, and we get to see a lot of great gear come through here as well. So yeah, I think all those things, you know, good synergy with the staff too, who are all psyched active climbers. Um, yeah, I think those are, those are the, the best aspects of it for me. Now are days pretty similar or is it kind of all over the place depending upon like what you're covering or what you're trying to write about specifically? It's definitely a little bit all over the place. I mean, you know, we're on a six issues a year deadline cycle. So near the end of that cycle, we're in production mode and we're our, sort of our heads are down and, and we're just getting stuff cleaned up and ready for print. Um, yeah, before then, you know, there's a lot of writing and editing and back and forth contributors, but there's days where we're out field testing, you know, like tomorrow I'm going to go shoe testing, you know, we're at the end of our, our shoe review and, and some shoes have just come in. So we need to get out on the rock and, and climb in them. Um, you know, there's days where we're, uh, we have an online education thing we're doing with AIM Adventure U. You know, we have, I think, nine classes now or something like that, 10 classes. Um, sorry, just looking that, you know, are all filmed out in the field. And so an editor will always be along on those shoots. So there might be times where you're gone all week. Like the uh, a shoot we did earlier this spring was out at Staunton State Park, kind of southwest of here, southwest of Denver in the South Platte. And uh, you know, I was working with Heather Widener and Arno Ilgner on a, a course about the art of red pointing. And so we were out of Staunton filming for five days in a row, which was, you know, it was a lot of fun. It was long, hard days. I mean, we're leaving Boulder at six in the morning and then getting back at six or seven at night. But, you know, we're out all day filming and, and climbing and, and, you know, bringing this content to life. So, yeah, there's a little bit of everything, I think. Yeah, it's definitely a small group of people that are able to get outside and climb all day and call that their job, <laughs> which is yeah, definitely exactly. nice. Yeah. I, 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 lo I love that aspect. I mean, 
unfortunately, it's not every day. It's probably one day in 10, but you know, one, that's one day in 10 where you can get out and climb for your job. So it's, I'll take it. That's definitely, definitely true. Now, um, I want to talk a little bit more about Aim Adventure U because obviously that's what brought us together on this in this interview because we're working with them on a giveaway that we're currently doing in feature and giving away a few of their climbing classes um, along with a ton of other climbing gear related to startups in the in the climbing industry specifically. But um, specifically focusing on, on Climbing Magazine a little bit longer, is there any part in your career, like highlight specific, like whether it was an experience or someone you were able to work with that was an idol of yours or just really any significant moment that stands out to you as like one of the best parts of uh, working at Climbing Magazine? Um, You know, putting the courses together, a lot of them, almost all of them, I think, are instructed by professional climbers um, or professional coaches who are also all really, really good climbers. A lot of them are people I already knew. Um, you know, I think for me, it's just seeing how these courses have let them kind of convey their wisdom and experience into a format that's going to be accessible for all climbers. I think that that's the cool part because, you know, a lot of these people, like all they do is climb, they climb five days a week and they're taking big trips and their life is built around climbing because they're making their living at it. Um, so they've learned a lot about the sport, you know, they, they know a lot more about the sport than the rest of us who can probably only get out on the weekends. But it's often hard to convey that knowledge because it's such a specialized sort of hermetic knowledge that you've developed, you know, because climbing is such a, you know, sort of a solitary sport. It's not a team sport. So you've developed it somewhat in a vacuum. So I think what's cool for me is just seeing how these courses have provided a sort of framework for some of these top climbers and coaches to, to convey that knowledge to everyone else, you know, because they have to come up with an outline and then we build the shoot off of that. And then we sort of build the, the text and images off of that, you know? So it, I think it's just provided a really good way of organizing some of this, you know, what might otherwise be seen as esoteric knowledge and, and just bring it uh, to fruition in, in a way that all climbers can appreciate. And, you know, I think the instructors enjoy it too. I mean, you see a lot of them, like as they're putting the course together, they're realizing they know a lot more than they thought they knew, or they're sort of finally finding ways to put their knowledge into words that they might not have thought about before. And I think that's a pretty cool process too. Yeah. I, I recently took the strength training for injury prevention um, oh. for climbing and <laughs> I am prone to climber's elbow okay. uh, on my left arm. And so going through that, I learned so many different just um, workouts and sort of like warm-up routines that mm-hmm. I've noticed in the last couple of weeks have like helped me a ton. And I'm like, hmm, okay, this is, <laughs> this, <laughs> this is incredibly valuable. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like this actually works. And if you'd gone to see Jared as a patient, you know, you probably would have spent just more money and more money than that just to walk into his office. So the course gives you a way to to access this kind of deep knowledge in, in, a, in an affordable fashion. Yeah. And I'm one of those people where if I, when I go climbing, if I don't have a good climb, I'll kind of get pissed off. <laughs> uh, like, uh, yeah. You know what I mean? So I like the, a couple of weeks ago, I climbed, I think I climbed like two out of, or no, three out of the four days in a row. 
And oh, on, that, on that last day, I was really feeling my, my, my uh, climber's elbow. And I was just getting like, my, like I was with my business partner, Matt. And he's like, man, you're really grumpy. <laughs> you don't do the things <laughs> over the way you want to. And I'm like, yeah, I know. It's just like in my nature. And then I started going through this course. And now I'm like, oh, this is great. I actually have a solution for this oh, problem. Okay. You know, So it's, it's, it's definitely valuable and useful. And you'd think that with something like climbing or skiing or backpacking because aim adventure you does it for all of those things in photography, but having an online course you would think wouldn't necessarily be that useful or valuable, but it actually is, you know, you don't actually have to be on the mountain skiing and getting the instruction or actually out climbing to get, to improve your, your skills, which I think is interesting that a lot of people would probably like write it off pretty quickly. Yeah, I mean, I think they would. But then when you think of how many books are out there that do the exact same thing, you know, that's what I like. Some of the Facebook comments we get, you know, like when Intro to Travel is coming out, there are all these like, you know, jokers on Facebook, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to take an online class to learn how to track climb. It's like, well, go to the, the climbing shop and there's probably like 10 books telling you how to track climb. Like, how is this any different? You know what I mean? Yeah, so, it, it yeah. all has to do with how you learn. I'm visual. So seeing that versus reading it is way better for me. Totally. Totally. Yeah. I think that's a good point. You know, with the videos and everything, yeah, it's a, a, a different way of learning. Hey everyone, just a quick thank you to our sponsor who helps make the Ready Yeti podcast possible. Aim Adventure U. Aim Adventure U offers online courses related to climbing, skiing, backpacking, photography, and so much more. They offer courses like strength training and injury prevention, intro to trad climbing, learning how to ski bumps, how to be a pro outdoor photographer, backcountry navigation, and so many more. Aim Adventure U partners with Backpacker.com, Climbing.com, Warren Miller, and other industry leaders to create this in-depth course content. If you want to take your next adventure up a notch, then head to aimadventureu.com and use the code READYYETI20 to get 20% off any course. Exactly. Okay, so um, you've been the editor for the last two years at Climbing, and since that, AIM Adventure U has been around for about that amount of time, and you've had the ability to create a little over or around 10 courses doing this. What is there anything that you've learned in this process of putting these together that really stands out? Uh, I'm trying to think. So we put together eight courses since I've been here. I think my predecessor, Julie, helped put together two of them. Um, yeah, what have I learned? I've learned that putting the courses together is a lot of work, that's for sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah, of course. It's a, it's a, it's a, a big thing to tackle. Um, I think I've learned a lot more about training that I've been able to apply to my own climbing because a lot of our courses are training-based. Uh, I think I've learned a lot more about movement, like from Justin Shong's courses. You know, he he does personalized coaching here in the in the Denver metro area. And my wife had taken some lessons from here, but, from him, but this was the first time I was able to sort of be there firsthand while he was giving those lessons. I was like, oh, I'll try some of that stuff myself. Um, so, yeah, I've been able to take a lot of it and sort of put it into my own climbing injury prevention. Uh, took a lot of that, like you. I have left elbow tendonitis, and I've taken a lot of what Jared was teaching and, and started doing little exercises at night and have seen that turn around. So, yeah, you know, yoga for climbers. There's some. I do a lot of yoga, and there's some some great asana in there from – from Heidi Wordson and Shana Button that I think is wonderful. So yeah, I, I have learned a lot. Yeah. I mean, I think I've taken a little something from all the courses. 
Definitely. Now, uh, along your journey in, in being an editor and in the climbing industry, did you, did you ever have any mentors that really helped guide you through this, this process? I did, yeah. Um, you know, when I first started writing for climbing in the 1990s, uh, Dave Pegg, who was then an associate editor at Climbing, really sort of took me under my wing and was very patient with me and taught me a lot about how to put a story together, um, which was interesting because Dave had sort of stumbled into that job, I think, by accident. I actually had a master's in like applied mathematics or something like that, completely opposite from from the writing world, but he was a very good writer and a very good storyteller. Um, you know, everyone who was on staff at climbing then, I think I learned a lot from them, Mike Bange, Dwayne Raleigh, Allison Osius, um, Tyler Stapleford, you know, they were kind of there. Um, when I started at climbing as a desk editor in 2002, Jonathan Thiessen was the editor and I learned a lot from him too. He'd been a desk editor for a couple of years at that point, but he's also just a very good writer and has a very good sense of story. Um, yeah. So I think just sort of all the people I've worked with directly, uh, also at Alpinist, Katie Ives, who I worked with, who I've uh, worked with as various stories as a freelancer. And I also worked there as a senior editor for a couple of years. Um, you know, I learned a lot from her. She's a very uh, knowledgeable, intellectual, exacting editor and, um, you know, really taught me a lot about construction and, and language. So, yeah, you know, I think just sort of everyone I've worked with, you know, you, we all sort of pick up stuff from each other along the way. What do you think really makes someone a great editor for, you know, a magazine like Climbing or really just any sort of publication? Uh, I think what makes you a great editor is you trust the author's innate sense of story and you help them go in the direction that they are already trying to go in. At least, at least that's kind of been my philosophy. Um, you know, I think if you try to impose your own voice and vision on a story, it starts to become awkward or you, you get a magazine where all the prose kind of sounds alike. Like, I mean, like if you pick up the New Yorker, it's a wonderful magazine and I read it avidly, but I never look at the bylines cause it almost doesn't matter because every story it's hard to discern voice. Um, so I think at least my philosophy, you know, especially with something like climbing, which is such a personal sort of storytelling, my philosophy is, you know, save the writer from their own worst instincts if they're going in a bad direction, but otherwise just sort of help them clean it up, get out of the way, help them add the things that, that are missing. But otherwise, you know, let, let things try to live in their own voice as much as possible. Definitely. I think that's really good advice. What's been the hardest part about being the editor for, for Climbing Magazine? Um, answering email, probably. I can agree to that. <laughs> I mean, truth be told, I get so much email that I could just spend all day every day answering email and I'd never get any actual content creation done. Uh, I think that's the hardest part. You know, we set up a queries email inbox so that I don't have to field queries all the time because we get a lot of, a lot of queries from day to day and you just don't have time to say yes or no to all of them. Um, yeah, I think that that's probably the hardest part is just the volume of information that, that comes into the magazine, like having to discern what you want to go with and what you don't, you know? Yeah. I, th I think that's probably the hardest part. Now, do you have any fears uh, in association with your role as the editor of Climb Magazine and Aim Adventure U? Oh, God. I mean, other than the usual fears that keep people up at night. Um, I mean, I suppose like anyone who's in a role like this, you always worry, are you, are you picking the right sort of stuff to put out into the world? You know, are people going to respond well to it? Uh, I think 
that's probably my biggest fear. You know, not not because of my own ego. I mean, I, I'm just trying and you're not going to make everyone happy, especially climbers, because every climber sort of has their own idea, I think, of what the climbing media should be doing. But yeah, you just want to make the readers happy. So I guess that's my biggest fear is that, you know, I would misfire on some level and not give people the content they actually want, because I, I think I know more because I think that I know more than them, which I, which I certainly don't. Right. No, I think that's definitely an interesting point that a lot of people don't give credit to those who are creating that content. You know, everyone's so quick to to tear something down or say what's wrong with it. But, you know, there it's so much harder for someone to just appreciate what is being created. You know, what yeah, I mean? yeah, exactly. I mean, you're you're creating something from scratch, whether you write it or you help someone else write it. And you don't necessarily know where it's going to go until it's done. Uh, yeah, I think that. That's hard. And, you know, it's sort of hard being put in this gatekeeper role. I mean, it's maybe some people are are more into that and confident at it. You know, I, ne- I don't necessarily think that I have any more knowledge, though, about the sport than anyone else. It just, uh, yeah. And it's the volume, too. I think it's the, the sheer volume of information. At a certain point, you're like, Ugh, I can't discern right now. I need to set this aside and, and think about it for another day. Right. It's like drinking from a fire hose, basically. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like a fire hose of climbing information from all over the world. And you have to figure out what, what goes where and, and if you should use it or not. And it, it can be overwhelming at times. No, definitely. Now, across your, your career, what are some of the biggest mistakes that you've made? Oh, um, I think I've written some things that were probably too incendiary for, for such a small community. I'd say those are probably some of the biggest mistakes I've made. You know, it's just sort of like, yeah, you know, it's a North American publication. It's for the whole country. But at a certain point, everyone sort of knows everyone in the climbing world. And yeah, you know, it, shouldn't, it doesn't behoove anyone to uh, to piss people off. Well, definitely not. <laughs> but I was, I was younger then in, in anger. Now I'm just sort of like old and tired. Yeah. <laughs> wiser <laughs> yeah wiser that's what it is older and wiser at least that's what my dad keeps telling me <laughs> um now what advice would you give to someone that uh wanted to build a career in the outdoor climbing world or become some sort of journalist and, and have a, a focus around writing and t- content creation I think I would tell them to be versatile. You know, I think I would tell them not to set their sights on, oh, I need to get a feature in X, Y, or Z magazine. That means I've arrived. But instead to just, if you want to make a living out as a freelancer, be very versatile, have pitches out to multiple titles, have pitches for short stuff, have pitches for long stuff, be working on feature ideas in the background, be willing to write blogs, you know, write for, I mean, a lot of the uh, manufacturers these days have really, pretty big media budgets, you know, they're creating their own media at house. So look at those opportunities as well. You know, I think sort of the, the era of the magazines as the only gatekeeper for, for information is, you know, is on the wane. So I think if you want to make that truly make a living at it, yeah, you just really need to be very, very versatile and always have, you know, spam those queries out there, have a lot of them going at once. What do you think the future is for Climbing Magazine and AIM Adventure U and with obviously the big push with digital and really the the ever-expanding reach of the internet, um, where do you think it's headed? I don't know. God, I wish I had a crystal ball. I'm sure everyone who works in, in, in media does. I mean, 
you know, you keep hearing about the death of print, but I, I don't think it's dying. I still read print magazines. I know that people do. I think with a niche publication like climbing, you know, print will always be the backbone of our brand because climbing is such a visual sport. You know, there really is just something special about picking up a, a glossy magazine and seeing big full page and spread photos of this amazing sport. Uh, I mean, it's, it's certainly one thing that that drew me to the title when I was, you know, sort of a starry eyed reader in, in my teenage years. I just you pick it up, and you see a photo and you go, whoa, rad, I, I want to go there, you know, or I want to do that. And I think with a sport like climbing, you, you know, there's some ways the web can do that. Uh, you know, especially with video, but I don't, you know, looking at a photo on the web, I don't think has the same impact as seeing it on the cover of a magazine. So, uh, you know, I think print, you know, having more of an archival quality print product that's complemented by, you know, our website, which does very well. We have a full-time digital editor and this online education. And I think thinking about other ways to use, you know, the internet to, to, to tell our story. I mean, seems to me like sort of online education is just the start, you know, we'll keep adding courses to it, but I'm sure there'll be other ways that people will think about to, to storytell here in the near future as well. That's so very true. And, and specifically talking about the print, I, you talk, you mentioning that it, I don't think it's dying. I agree with you specifically because my parents just moved <laughs> and I cleaned out my childhood bedroom and I found old climbing, ski, powder magazine, magazines buried in my closet. And all of them like just gave, gave me like a throwback of memories, <laughs> you know, of when I first read those specific issues and saw those huge lines of skiing or, or, or rock climbs. And like you said, just being inspired to want to do those sorts of things. And, you know, that's definitely partially... Um, you know, what triggered me wanting to start a company like Red Yeti just because being outside is so damn fun <laughs> and doing all of those things. So I, I don't think it's going anywhere, but obviously, you know, digital is an opportunity to expand it into new things like this online course that Aim Adventure U is doing. Um, yeah. So it's definitely interesting. It's changing, but I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, look at Rolling Stone, you know, they're just about out of business and someone, someone bought them right they got a new owner and now they they went to a monthly and they went back to their big format but they pumped up their page count and they seem to be i mean i pick it up now and there's a lot more ads like i think that yeah if you think of print now as something special to hang on to you know i think that that's that's sort of the model instead of you know the sort of i mean before the internet climbing was coming out 10 times a year even 10 years ago when i worked here last time you know we were out 10 times a year and the internet I mean, it was a thing then, but it wasn't the thing. Um, but I think that if you sort of slow down the pace of print and make it something that lives on its own, that doesn't, then it then it doesn't have to compete with the internet, and then it then it succeeds. Yeah, no, it's like its own unique thing, like sort of like vinyl. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. You know, it'll always be around. It'll always be valuable. And when someone pulls it out, they'll be like, "Oh wow, I can't believe you have this." <laughs> exactly. Which definitely has a, has a tremendous amount of value. But um, with that, I want to take a moment to mention the fact that we're partnering with uh, Aim Adventure U and giving away a an online climbing course. Um, so anyone listening to this uh, between uh, now and October 16th, they can actually head over to readyeddy.com for a chance to uh, win along with $2,000 worth of other climbing gear. 
Um, so anyone who's listening, definitely go check that out. And with that, Matt, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on the podcast, share your story and everything that you guys have going on at Climbing Magazine and Aim Adventure U. And um, with that, if, if anyone wants to keep tabs on uh, you and anything new that's going on, um, where's the best place for them to do that? Me personally? Uh, yeah, you and obviously climbing. Uh, most people know they could just go to climbing.com. But I guess for you personally. Oh, I don't really have much of a social media presence personally. I think I'm too old. Um, but, <laughs> uh, yeah, cl- climbing.com is probably where, where the place to be. Definitely. And with that, Matt, thanks again so much uh, for taking the time. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Josh. If you enjoyed today's podcast episode, then we would be incredibly appreciative if you could log on to iTunes and leave us a quick review. This really helps us get noticed by other podcast listeners like yourself. And if you know anyone that would benefit from this episode, then please share it along. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Ready Podcast. We'll catch you guys next week.